Hey Dinks, welcome to Dentist in the Know, your backstage pass to current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. We are dentistry source for honest, relevant information, and with that in mind, this is JB's News on the Go with Dentist in the Know. So introducing to you with all the relevant information, Dr. Jennifer Bell. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. I don't know how everyone has survived without being in the know, like truly having dental news to talk about. The first thing that uh, I wanted to chat about was actually a bill that came out, uh, was it early this year, late last year? We talked a little bit about the No Surprise Billing Act. That came out um, as a response more in the medical field, uh, specifically talking about not giving patients surprise bills at the end, they should have a better understanding of the services that are being provided and financially how to afford that. But of course, dental was uh, partially lumped into that uh, as part of the bill that was passed. And now we're starting to try to understand better the language around that bill, what its real impact is on the ground level for clinicians as they want to be compliant within within the parameters. So the ADA put out a, um, a response just this week uh, about the No Surprise Act, actually wanting more clarification exactly about what they are going to, to require of dentists and, and how they hope to manage that. And if you think about it, we're in a really unique um, field, I think, because Different from medical, most dental insurances have a cap, we'll say 1500 a 1000 whatever that happens to be. And then all the services beyond that start coming out of pocket. Different from medical, it's usually the opposite. There's a cap of a deductible that you have to meet. And then once you meet that, most services are covered at a much higher percentage, if not 100%. So we're the inverse relationship of medical insurance. And so the question becomes, how can we really provide true good faith estimates to patients that come in wanting to seek care when we may not fully comprehend or understand how they have utilized their dental benefits throughout the year? Have they gone to other dentists, specialists, et cetera, received services? Are they capped or maxed at their allowable amount for the year and everything will be out of pocket? If you can appreciate the maximum or the the range in, in this particular bill is $400. So if you do a crown for a patient and it gets denied by the insurance company, you have exceeded the good faith estimate unless you're requiring patients to pay in full and get reimbursed by their patients. And I I think we can all appreciate that that is not happening as a normal practice for most dentists. Most will accept a copay or percentage payment and file the remainder with an insurance for reimbursement. So if we're going to start having to collect in full in order to be compliant with this particular law, I think it really changes the dynamics of our practices. So I'm glad the ADA is stepping up, wanting to have uh, deeper conversations with CMS to understand better what the real implications are. And does this mean that in actuality, if we exceed that $400 good faith estimate margin, that we can't be compensated for our goods and services that we're providing to patients? One of the comments that I found most uh, intriguing was, Uh, By the ADA, it's a quote, it's not appropriate to to require dental practices to have to issue a good faith estimate to the carrier 
when the carrier has no obligation to issue an advanced explanation of benefits to the patient. They're not required for a pre-D or an update on their allowables. How can we be held to this to a different standard? So we'll stay tuned. We'll continue to watch that. I really don't have a lot of concrete information yet on what this looks like on the ground level, but we're definitely watching it very closely. The NIH also granted a, a sealant funding program just this week. It's a middle school sealant funding program. Uh, it's probably one of the first of its kind. The majority of the sealant programs that have been given grants from multiple organizations throughout the U.S. typically are focused on elementary and school-aged children. Uh, this particular program was focused more on middle school kids really identifying 12-year molars and uh, wanting to begin to provide preventative care for that patient population as well. It was given to several university uh, dental schools that are going to go out and implement the program. This would be an interesting um, test program, I think, to see its efficacy and outreach and if it's able to achieve and accomplish uh, its desired goal. So we'll be watching that closely. I found an interesting financial, couple of financial tidbits for you. One, uh, the CAD-CAM business segment within dentistry is expected to be a $5.3 billion industry by the year 2032. Just this year alone, it was $1.5 billion. And the interesting piece of this is how much emphasis is starting to uh, get focused on dental health and oral health awareness. There's a bill in the U.S. government focused on oral health literacy, and there's a lot of support behind that particular program to educate uh, the general population about oral health and systemic indications or systemic complications that come from that. But the WHO, the World Health Organization, also came out just recently in strong recognition and identifying dental caries and dental health issues as being one of the top health concerns in the world. They said one in four U.S. adults has dental caries, and there was a, a slightly less uptick for periodontal disease. So if that's untreated and undiagnosed dental disease, there's certainly a need for oral health education to get patients access to care. So it's interesting to see how the CAD-CAM industry is also continuing to increase. We're seeing CAD-CAM technologies that provide Quicker service, certainly I think CAD-CAM, the guys may feel differently, but I think CAD-CAM, while an expensive early investment, allows doctors to sort of cost control a little bit better their outcomes. And now with CAD-CAM technologies coming out with caries detection capabilities, et cetera, what would this look like if you were to include, uh, let's just say an iTero scan with NERI technology in your middle school sealant program? and uh, really identifying dental caries from the get-go. I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities with these portable technologies and CAD-CAM is sort of at the forefront of this. Lastly, I have to ask when the guys come back on, if they were early investors in Dentacoin, Dentacoin in 2018 was a cryptocurrency specifically invented for uh, consumers to purchase tokens, if you will, to provide to access or pay for dental services. Now, I don't think, based on probably our adoption of Dentacoin, that it really took hold in the market. One of the large 
uh, groups that was primarily uh, advocating and receiving Denticoin as a primary source of currency, Lyft Dental, uh, silently, quietly, uh, is no longer taking Denticoin. So hopefully our Dinks listeners were not heavy early investors in Denticoin. Maybe... (laughs) We'll see some emergence of a new type of cryptocurrency being accepted in dental practices, but to date, it won't be Denticoin. And that's the news. So gang, that's it for today's show. We want to thank you for tuning in, but more importantly, we want to thank you for being a part of Dennis in the Know. I'm Dr. Jeff Horowitz. I'm Dr. Chad Duplantis. And I'm Dr. Jennifer Bell, and we're Dentists in the Know. Remember, gang, dentistry is an amazing profession, but it's way more rewarding when you're in the know.